I'm excited that you guys are talking about discipleship, and I would love to just jump into that with you. I'm supposed to announce something. I'll do it later. So I'm, uh, this, this topic to me is super important because the church I go to where I serve in, in uh, Norfolk, Virginia, Virginia Beach area where I live, uh, I, I went to my pastor who was a friend a few years before I started going, and I said, hey, man, like, what does it look like to have intentional discipleship versus accidental discipleship? It's literally the last thing Jesus said. He's like, hey, man, if I'm going to sum up all three years of this, this, this teaching stuff. Go be a disciple and go make them and, and do that. And what I've found is most time in churches, discipleship is like show up, listen, and then you'll become one eventually. But there was like no plan for it. But we were counting like people coming, counting all types of things. But there was no like metric for that. So when I see a church literally focusing on it, I'm like, oh, that's good. This is literally what Jesus said this is all about, and I get excited about it. And I'm on a journey to understand it better because it's a lifelong journey uh, that you can't compartmentalize to a series. But as you lay it out and say, hey, let's walk this out together, you start to be more like Jesus and do more things Jesus did. And that's what I wanted to talk about today, just real simple stuff that I know people much smarter than me have already like laid out on this stage. But just being with Jesus uh, versus doing for Jesus. That's literally what, what I want to go today. What does it look like to be with Jesus and to know his voice? Because one of the things that we, 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 I think we wrestle with culturally is that we really, really understand the doing part. We have a big culture of do, 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 and that's good. You can't separate your being from your doing. But one cliche that's a little weird that I'm going to say is that we, you know, we're human beings, not human doings. Like God has called us to be with him and to understand what it's like to sit and to be and exist as his. And that's where our identity comes from. However, we put our identity in the things we do. The very first thing you do when you meet somebody, hey, what's up, man? What's your name? Mark. Oh, Mark. It's good. What do you do? It's like question number two. You know what I'm saying? Now, it would be weird if you're like, hey, Mark, who are you? And like, that's a weird question to ask, right? But that's literally where Jesus puts the focus. It feels weird to us because we don't care about that. We care about what you do, right? And so I think the gospel's constantly refining us and challenging our culture and our preconceived notions, not just Western, but anything that could be out of step with Jesus. Jesus did not fit a cultural box, which is why all the cultures either like, this is so refreshing or we don't want him because he's not going to fit a box. So uh, John Mark Comer is a pastor that I listen to a lot, and he's got a real heavy focus on discipleship, uh, this ministry called Practicing the Way, which is really cool. He's going to be launching a bunch of resources for free. But... In his book about taking Sabbath and resting, which is something I need to do because I don't rest really well, and I'm learning that I'm on a journey of this, he said this. He said, in America, you can become a success as a blank. In the book, he said pastor, but I wanted us to be able to fill ourselves in. A success as a whatever you are, and a failure as an apprentice of Jesus. That's his word for discipleship. So you can succeed at our goal and completely miss discipleship while spending 50 years in church. And we don't want that. I, I don't want to um, be a decent speaker and a decent Christian hip-hop artist and have a great career and miss discipleship that was right in front of me the whole time. And it's possible. So we need to really hold that. If I'm not intentional with the great thing Jesus said to do, I could miss it in all of my religious activity. But Jesus says, he makes a promise to us. And when I was talking to the youth on Friday, and I was like, the two most important questions you can ever ask is, is Jesus who he said he is, and can you trust this book? And so if he is who he said he is, and you can trust this book, everything he said matters and is true. 
If not, you can pick and choose, which is what culture and movie and entertainment and pop culture does. But if he literally got about that grave, everything he said matters. So Jesus made us a promise that seems kind of up here and frilly, but if he's Lord, he meant what he said. And he said this, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is a beautiful promise. How many of us by showing hands could use rest for our souls today? Jesus promised to give it to us, and I think it's just by being with him. So I'm going to fly through some stuff. Um, when I started going, uh, when I started going to church, I started going to church uh, eight or nine. I was telling like uh, the, the youth my testimony. Thank you again, Ryan, for having me up. Uh, so I started going to church around eight or nine. I didn't really get saved until 2021. The difference being I knew, I knew the answers. I could tell you the Easter story, check, check, check. But I was still doing what I wanted to do, and I didn't care that much. At 2021, I was like, I'm giving my life to you. The turning point for me, if some of you guys may know my story, my father was absent for 15 years. At 20, he popped up and wanted to apologize for letting drugs and alcohol get in the way of fatherhood. And we had, it took me nine months to to receive his invitation and I forgave him. And right after I forgave him, that last phone call was, I forgive you, let's figure this out. Right after that phone call, he passed away. So that was our last conversation. And for me, it was like, all right, either Jesus is not there and all this is just random because this doesn't make any sense. Either he is there and he's mean because he's playing games because why would you bring him back? It was easier for him not to be here. Or maybe he really cares about forgiveness and he set this up because this mattered. And I was like, if this is who you are, I need you. So I came to Jesus at that point and I trusted him. But one of my first prayers was literally like, hey, um, I've been in church for a while. I jumped out, came back, but I, was, I didn't really commit to you. Now I'm committing to you. So by just looking at my life, I must not really like you that much, and I'm not really committed that much, and I don't like to read the Bible or pray, because if so, I would have been doing this the whole time. Help me want to do these things. I want to want you. Please help me want to want you. It was literally one of my first prayers. I was like, I'm just going to be honest. I, I, I don't want to read this Bible. Help me want to read it. Right? And then the other thing I prayed was, hey, Lord, if you are active, if you are present, if you are around, would you teach me what your voice sounds like? Would you speak to me? Not, I, don't, I mean, it would be great to learn from my pastor and stuff, but I don't need to, he's not like the conduit, right? Like, can you speak to me? I want to know what your voice is, if you indeed still talk to people. Please, and I, so my first prayer was like, get me in the word and give me a passion for you. And the second one was, teach me what your voice sounds like. When it's me, when it's culture, when it's the other guy, when it's you. I want to know what your voice sounds like. And two things I really think that we need to be pressing in on is we need a hung, we need, two things we need from God is a hunger for him and for his word. A hunger for him and for his word. And sometimes we feel bad that it's not like an automatic, I go to church, I'm a Christian, and I run and I read my Bible for an hour and a half every day because it's awesome. How many of you guys, that's your testimony? Show of hands. So, okay. All right. Oh, whoa. Horribly undiscipled church. All right, great. No, joking, joking. That was a joke. No, that's not my story either. What I'm saying is that's not where we run to. We are tempted every day when we wake up to run to other things, to check our phone, to go to our emails, to do good things. Um, but we need to say, God, I want a hunger for you and your word that pulls me to understand you better, that pulls me to what you taught. And so one of the things we do that is by focusing on just simply being with God, our time with him. This verse stands out to me as a beautiful reason of why Jesus called his disciples to him. 
It went up, uh, Mark 3, Jesus went up on a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might, one, be with him. He literally called them to do what? To be with him. And that he might then send them out to preach. He called them to be with him and that he might send them out to preach because being always precedes doing. Being always precedes doing. I think we've lost the practice of just sitting and being with Jesus and, and, and just studying and being with him. I'm literally reading a book right now by a lady named Ruth Haley Barton called Invitation to Silence and Solitude because silence and solitude is not part of my life. I am wired for noise and running around and doing stuff, right? Uh, and and I'm, I'm like, I need to study from somebody who literally has worked this into their life because this is a big part of Jesus's life. And if I'm going to be a disciple of Jesus, I need to understand how to sit and simply be with him. But we've lost that practice. We're really good on the how-to and the do things and the seven steps to this and the 10 keys to that. But we don't hear a lot of, hey, man, just sit still and just be with him. Just learn that. Um, our culture is very busy, and I think it's because we're trying to earn our identity. A lot of, well, I'll speak for me. I know a lot of my busyness is trying to earn my right to be here. I'm trying to prove I deserve to be not here on the stage, just life and existence. Like I have rejection issues from my father and, and all types of little fears of failure and insecurities and stuff like that. So there's something in me trying to prove, no, I deserve to be here too. I have a right to exist, right? And, and that's, that's a broken way to fuel life, right? When the Bible tells me that my starting point of anything, even on my worst day, is that I'm made in the image of God and I'm born with inherent dignity, value, and worth, and so is the person next to me. And so is the person in my life I love, so is the person in my life I don't like. All of us start at the same point of dignity, value, and worth. And if I would sit with Jesus and just believe his word a little bit more, maybe I would stop trying to do things in my life to fuel my right to be here. And, and I'm tired at the end of the day, but I go to sleep, wake up, do it again, and start with a rehearsed prayer and hope that it spiritually works out. He promised rest for our souls. And it doesn't come from us earning anything. It just comes from being. In, Mark, in Luke chapter 10, there's this really cool story where uh, Mary and Martha are inviting Jesus to the house. And Martha opens her home to Jesus. And while she's doing that, Mary, uh, well, Martha opens her home to Jesus and she's getting everything settled. She's like, you know, making bed sheets and cooking stuff. I don't know what she's doing. She's, getting, she's busy, right? Mary is not helping at all. She's sitting at the feet of Jesus. And Martha is, I was about to say that word. I'm not going to say it. Martha is mad. She's really angry. I was about to say something else. I'm not going to do that. Martha's angry. And, she, and she's so angry about it, she fusses at Jesus about it. So you know how bold you got to be to fuss at Jesus for something? Like she invited him in the house and then fussed at him. Like, hey, man, why don't you tell, Martha to, uh, tell Mary to get up and help me do stuff? We invited you here and we need to tell her to wash some dishes. And Jesus is like, she's doing the literal reason why I came. She's spending time with me. Like you're busy doing all this stuff that's good, uh, but it's not finished and it doesn't matter because I'm gonna leave in a little bit and you will have missed the time to just be with me. Uh, he says, hey, look, Mary, uh, Luke 10, 42, Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taking away from her. Uh, so, you know, be Mary, not Martha, right? It's not wrong to get everything settled, but it is wrong to do that stuff in place of being with Jesus. And so we just have to say, you know what? This, this isn't perfect. My life isn't in order where I want it to be. This relational thing isn't fixed. I don't have this... I need, instead of, when I wake up in the morning, as soon as my eyes open up, my brain just 
Did you check this email? Did you do this? You forgot this. Don't, did you post that? Did you? Uh, my, my brain starts going nuts, and I'm slowly learning. I've been preaching full-time for 10 years. I'm just slowly learning. Hey, man, I don't need to get into all this today. I need to stop and be with, amen, bro. I need to stop and be with Jesus. All this stuff is going to be here when I leave my time with Jesus. It's not going anywhere. And if I don't get to it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's important, but it's not urgent. And I need to just be with Jesus. If I trust that God is sovereign, he's going to work everything out. And I can't let culture dictate my relationship with my God. Amen? Amen. That's what we need to do. Myra's chosen what is better. Pete Scazzaro, pastor in New York, says this. The active life in the world for God can only properly flow from a deep inner life with God. Jesus says it this way in John 15. The most powerful verses, I mean chapters, I think. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. If you remain in me, if you rest in me first and I in you, you're gonna naturally, it's gonna come automatically. What tree forces the fruit to come? You don't have to do that. It's gonna happen. But he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. All of our striving and pushing to be spiritual giants, it's not in our capacity. We don't have the ability to do that. We don't. We simply rest in the vine, and then the fruit comes. And then the person that we want to be comes. And the God that we claim we want to be like, start, our characteristics start to change. Why? Because we're spending time with him. You ever heard somebody say that phrase, you're the sum total of your friend group? Like if you hang around nine, whatever type of people, you'll be the 10th one, right? What if we just hung out with Jesus more than we do? And we let culture get out of the way and we let stuff that we don't need in our lives kind of fall to the side. I'm not saying to be legalistic, but there's nothing wrong with being disciplined and saying, you know what, I'm cutting this out cold turkey because I need a lot more Jesus in my life. There's nothing wrong with that, right? Sometimes in our attempt to not appear legalistic and religious, we can neglect good disciplines that are actually healthy for us. We got to find the right balance of those things. I don't want this anymore, so I'm either going to wean myself off of it. it I don't care if it, I'm not even talking about like heavy sins and drugs. I'm talking about just um, watching too much of this and talking about people too much and claiming it's a prayer meeting, but it's gossip. And you know what I mean? Okay, nobody in here, right? What do, how do we shave that stuff off of our life? How do we? I got one for you. And this, this is going to make somebody mad. And if you get angry at me, my email is peter at, at northwestorlando.com. <laughs> Do your worst. Do your worst. I can handle it. Do your worst. I dare you. I dare you. Um, here's one. Judging somebody based on how they voted. All right, guys. Have a great Sunday. It was great being with you. <laughs> I'm not going to make it to the parking lot. Seriously. Like... Somebody voted for somebody that you don't like. I won't say hate because maybe, you know, maybe you won't think it doesn't apply to you. So I'll just say don't like. And you've summed up all of their Christianity and identity based on that. They are not made in the image of God because they support X, Y, Z. Right? And maybe they're dead wrong. Probably. But are they still made in the image of God or not? So how do I let that start? That You know what? I don't want to be like everybody I see in my friend group and on social media, I want to get away from that. How do I, you know what, let me go invite somebody to lunch who I know is diametrically opposed to all the things I hold dear, and let me just get in their life and let them in mind, let's be friends, and let's change this polarized stuff. It's, we, we, can, we can do it if we 
step back from where our identity is and we just rest in the vine a little bit and say, you know what? How was it that Jesus could be so clear about sin, salvation, holiness? He literally told religious leaders, you're going to go to hell for that. You know what I mean? We don't put that on our t-shirts, but he said that stuff, right? But all of the people who were breaking God's commandments loved to be around him and followed him everywhere he went. What was the difference? There's something there we got to find. There's something there we got to find. I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. The second thing uh, is really just knowing his voice, understanding and knowing his voice. Because what I believe firmly is that you can know the scriptures and not know the voice of God. I mean, again, Jesus called out the religious leaders who memorized the Torah by 12 and said, how are you going to make it in the kingdom of heaven? So that's not the answer. Satan knew the scriptures and uh, quoted them incorrectly to Jesus to manipulate them. So that's not the answer. How do you know the voice of God? Jesus says, John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they listen to me. One of the things I think about is this. If we just met and, and you know, say we just met today and now we're friends and, and we had our first conversation and, you know, we're like, all right, man, well, let's stay in touch. Uh, I know a little bit about your voice. You know a little bit about mine. But the very next conversation, if there are 10 people talking while you're talking, I may not be able to pick up your voice because I don't know it that well. But we go to coffee once a week. We hang out in each other's houses. Spend about a couple months together. The next time we're in that group of 10 people, I can pick out your voice a little easier because I know what your voice sounds like. But it may be harder in a group of 50, right? But after we spend a year together hanging out and knowing each other's voice, I hear you talking. I'm like, oh, man, Dave's here. There he is because I know your voice a little better. But now we're in a group of 100, and I still can't pick it out. But after we've been hanging out for three years, I can hear Dave's voice in a group of 100. No problem. Do you see what I'm saying? The more time we spend, like, God, would you speak to me? Would you help me understand what you're saying, how you're leading me here? I think you gave me a word for so-and-so. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just me because I want to see this thing fixed in her life, and it irritates me. So I'm going to say it's you, but it's really me. <laughs> Nobody in this church. Right? How do you know? It just takes a lot of time. In fact, the rest of your life. But the one thing we, know, we need to know is God is not going to be, say, or do anything contrary to his word. He's not going to be, say, or do anything contrary to his word. I was doing a show one time. Uh, I, won't, I won't mention the state because I always get worried that, you know, the, pers- my, the person might see this online and be like, he's talking about me. So I won't say it. But I was doing a show one time. This guy runs up to me. He's like, oh, legend, listen, I need you to make this song. I, Jesus told me when he's coming back and we need to tell everybody. I'm like... So you mean the same Jesus that said, nobody knows the day? Yeah, he told me. I was like, well, how did he tell you when he said nobody knows? I don't know. He gave me a dream. The spirit must have told me. I'm like, you sure it was the holy one? Because he said, you know what I'm saying? Like, but literally, like, this is funny, but that's how people go off of the deep end religiously. And that's how, like, cults and stuff get started. And because people are not in their word. Look, we're about to come. I, mean, I just, politics really gets on my nerves. I'm not, go vote, please vote. But it really gets on my, the way we do it culturally is irritating to me. I'm not against the democracy, democratic republic, but like what we've turned it into as far as an identity metric frustrates me so much, especially when the bride of Christ gets sucked into it and, and, and doesn't live kingdom, but lives based on which side of the aisle you're on. I can't stand it. It's frustrating to me. He's never going to say or do anything contrary to his word, but midterms are coming up. So a lot of people are going to 
you know, lean on the things you're, you care a lot about. Throw a scripture or two in their speeches and, and, and really just to get your vote. May or may not do anything when they get in office, but they're going to try to manipulate the word of God. Pastors do it. Po- personalities do it. Politicians do it. How do you know who to listen to? If you know the word of God for yourself, nobody can come along and use it for their own gain and manipulate your, your genuine faith in God. We have to know the word of God for ourselves. The psalm says, you've exalted above all things your name and your word. So what can we do? What can we do? It's real simple. Um, I, don't, I don't know the full context of everything you've been talking about in this series, but I'm excited that you're talking about it. My only encouragement for you, which I am learning to do, I'm not standing here as an expert. I am actively walking this out. I had a, less, a much less busy week than I normally have when I come to Orlando, and I tried to make it busy. I was calling people trying to set stuff up, and, and I was like, hey, Rick, Laura, I just, it's not working. Maybe God's telling me to chill. So outside of my wanting to run out and do stuff and fill my calendar up, I was like, I'm just going to stay home all day today and not do stuff. Uh, this is new for me, right? So my encourage, I'm just, I'm just don't want you to feel like I'm like, I've mastered it, follow me. I'm not saying that. I'm trying to figure it out. Here, slow down and spend time with God. Just slow down and spend time with God. If you're already good at that, you got some devotional time, you've got some stuff tucked away in your calendar, you're already killing it, praise God. Keep it going and model it for somebody else. If you're not fantastic at it, like me, which I'm learning, uh, find a way to carve out some time. I'd recommend first thing in the morning. Maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe it's before you go to sleep. Maybe it's the middle of the day. Find some time to dedicate. God, I want to give you this time, and I just want to sit in silence and just reflect on your goodness. I want to get into a good book about you. I want to read a psalm. I want to play. Whatever it is, we have to learn to cut stuff off. A pastor friend of mine gave me an excellent tip early on. He said, hey, just the first 15 first 15 minutes of the day, don't check your phone. Don't, as soon as you get up, just sit up and just start to thank God and just sit with him for 15 minutes. And you may be surprised how difficult it is to sit in silence for 15 minutes, right? But Jesus literally would leave and go on a mountain by himself and just pray and be with the Father. And he found his joy and his identity and his peace in that. And I don't find my joy and identity and peace in that. I'm like, let's do this so I can do other things, and I'm trying to reverse that in my life. That's for all of us. Slow down and be with God. Uh, uh, the psalmist said early, will I seek thee, because King James sounds cool with certain verses. Um, I'm a little bit over, but I'll get these out. The other thing, um, it's real simple. Pray continuously. I think it's a really good practice to treat prayer like a never-ending phone call with God. You just don't hang up. Just pick up the phone any moment. It got him back. Uh, that meeting was crazy. How you doing? I'm a little nervous about this. I'm excited about that. I just wanted to check in. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll call you back after this meet, next meeting. Like, whatever. Like, but the constant conversation with God, the fact that the Spirit is present with you always because of the covenant that we're in, that God's arms and ears are always open to us. I think we, we don't have to um, have these special, I'm going to say this carefully, these, these super sacred moments with God where that's all we do. We need those. You do need fixed hour prayer is a good thing. I'm not saying that. But I mean, just random driving down the street, just start talking to God, becoming probably the crazy Christian you promised you'd never be. Start becoming that guy or girl, right? Like just random conversation, just out of the blue. Um, man, my, my, my daughter just did this. My mom did that. I don't know. I'd, and just whatever. And just invite God into every aspect of your life. Not because he's not present already, but because you need to be more aware of how present he is and how active he wants to be in your life.
Pray continuously. And lastly, I've already said, know the word of God um, for yourself. Bible reading plans, working that out in community. Because Jesus promised this for us. I'm going to read the passage again, and I'm going to wrap up. He promised us rest for our souls. He promised that was available to us. And I know there's a lot of restlessness, anxiety, questions about who we are and what we're supposed to be. And I think that the answer has been sitting in front of us the whole time. And we're just so busy, we just pass over it for other answers that don't work. And you guys are focusing on the main thing. The main thing the church is supposed to do is create disciples that create disciples, learners of Jesus, apprentices of Jesus, whatever language is most helpful for you. That's what we're supposed to be doing, leaning into my discipleship journey, and as God calls me, inviting another person to along with me. But we can't do that if we're anxious and worried and all over the place. Then it just becomes religious activity and box checking, and God's called us to rest for our souls. We're going to land here. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, And I will, I promise, I will give you rest. Take your yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for the rest you give our souls. I want to thank you that you've provided um, your spirit, your word, your presence, your truth. You provided your church, this community, this worldwide, global, mysterious, understandable, and mind-blowing phenomenon of people who are all redeemed to you and are giving their lives to redeem their neighbor by giving them your word as well. Uh, In that, God, help us to not get sucked into the busyness and polarization of culture and religious activity and trying to earn our place and insecurities and fears uh, as we walk and through all these things and are continually molded into your image day by day. Um, let us celebrate the fact you're present with us and that you want to make us more like you because who else would we want to be like? Peter said, where else will we go? You have the words of life. We need to give everything else up to just be with you. Help us to be a little more Mary and a little less Martha. Um, and I just pray God that, that I pray this, whatever the next step is for every person in here to be who you've called them to be, God, give them, bring it to their mind right now in this moment and give them the courage and the conviction and the strength to bring it to you no matter how frail they are and say, Lord, I need to remove this so I can invite you here. Give them that wisdom or whatever that is for them and call them into that next place. We love, trust, and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.